Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Reality Radio for a really great future. We're talking real money. We just keep doing it. Almost every day, we do it. Because it's so important to you that we do it. What do we do? We talk about money. We talk about real money. We talk real money issues on Talking Real Money. Thus, the name. I knew you were wondering where we got it. Hi, everybody. I'm Don McDonald. Welcome to the show, the podcast, the Friday edition. At least that's when I record it and put it up on the various podcast services. Um, glad you're out there. Thanks for listening. We're going to talk about uh, money. And today we're going to talk about, well, one, we're going to take some of your questions because we do that on Fridays. But I also want to talk about money and memory. Human beings occasionally need a little help memorizing things. So we invented a concept, a memorization concept. It's called mnemonics. We create a mnemonic. It's a stupid word for what we do. We create something that is memorable, uh, a rhyme or a an abbreviation for something, like an IRA is an individual retirement account. Uh, we uh, we we try to remember our spelling with I before E, except after C. Uh, in the military, they came up with a word. Actually, it was it was uh, an it was an uh, an acronym that became a word. The word was snafu, which um, was created in the military, I believe, in World War II. Pretty sure, and it stands for situation normal all. And the word is not fouled, but some people now use that all effed up snafu. Well, there was an article, and I'm a sucker for articles like this, in a magazine called Wealth Management that goes out to financial advisors. And in this article, they uh, had a list of the 10 favorite mnemonics, and mnemonics is spelled, (laughs) don't, there's no way to, how do you remember how to spell mnemonics? M-N-M-N- E-M-O-N-I-C-S, mnemonic, mnemonic, So uh, they came up with some of these. Now, I haven't heard of a lot of them. So I think maybe they just made them up. And I also think after reading this piece, which was more clickbait than anything else because it's a slideshow, slideshows are clickbait, uh, view bait, that maybe we have way too many mnemonics. Try saying that 10 times fast. But let's, I want to share some of these with you and see, so you know what they are if you hear them used in the financial services industry. Now, this one, this one I've used a lot. 
When we talk about investing, I tell you to keep it simple, stupid. It's the KISS concept. KISS. Keep it simple. We try to make things more complicated than they need be. And when it comes to investing, complicated is your enemy. It's bad for you. This one I had never heard of. It's pronounced snoglog, with a G being silent like in new, you know, the animals, the GNU. It's S-N, I'm sorry, I did that wrong. It is S-G-N-O-L-G, snoglog. I agree with the concept. I think it's a worthwhile saying. Short-term greed never outweighs long-term growth. That's actually a pretty powerful statement. You, you, you're not likely to do well in the short run, at least consistently. But if you do things the right way, you at least would have in the past made money long-term. Concentrate on the long-term, not the short run. So that's snoglog. Sounds like I have a cold when I say it. Then the third one they listed was Wilma. Wilma! Uh, which <laughs> it's to, to uh, supposedly help advisors remember the big five retirement risks. Ready? Withdrawal rate. That's the rate at, with you, at, at which you withdraw money in retirement. Then the rate of inflation, which affects that. Then your longevity, how long you're going to live. And they threw in for the M, which makes sense because of the high cost of this part of our life. What do you think M is? Yeah, medical expenses. And then your asset allocation. So to have the best withdrawal rate, you need to have great asset allocation, but you need to take into effect into account the effects of inflation, how long you might live, and what it's going to cost you over time to pay for your health care. So uh, Wilma, okay, I like Wilma. Wilma's a nice person. I'll go with Wilma. I think that's helpful. Then there is, you all know, this is another one that everybody knows, FOMO. What is FOMO? Fear of missing out. That's why people are buying cryptocurrencies. That's why people followed the Redditors in their uh, quest for the dumbest stock ever to buy. Um, so there's FOMO, but there also is one I hadn't heard of. I mean, I get the concept, but I hadn't heard of it. And it's called folia. It, it sounds like a disease of the skin or something. Oh my gosh, my skin is folia. Oh yeah, because it's foliating or to be exfoliating. Uh, fear of losing it all. And it's what a lot of investors felt back in March, 2020, they say when, uh, when the markets fell after the COVID scare, but look what's happened since. Aren't you glad you didn't suffer from folia back then? Well, some of you did. Uh, again, here is, here's another one. I don't even know why they needed a, an acronym for it. It's really not even a mnemonic. It's an acronym. Tanstful. <laughs> See how worthless this word is? Tanstful. Uh, it sounds like something you do in Florida. Tanstful. Uh, but it's a sh it's it's a stupid acronym, and it really is a stupid acronym. For there ain't no such thing as a free lunch. Why don't you just say 
there ain't no such thing as a free lunch. Do we really need an acronym for that? I think we can remember that one. So I think that gets the dumbest one yet. That 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 that's good. Yeah, I like that one. Um, mm, eh, yeah, I, I'm I'm waffling on this one. I read it and I went, yeah, okay. The human condition. We have to take that into into account when we're talking to people, but. Really, I mean, it, it, it almost sounds like a title for a reality show. The acronym is HALTS, HALTS, H-A-L-T-S. And I think this one's made up too. Hungry, angry, lonely, tired, scared, and naked. No, no, no naked. It doesn't sound like a reality show. Hungry, angry, lonely, tired, and scared. We dropped three people in the jungle. Hungry, angry, lonely, tired, and scared to see who would walk out. <laughs> Sounds like Squid Game. Uh, okay. So I don't like that one either. I decided. I don't like that one. I'm throwing that one out. Here is one that is actually sort of a mnemonic because it is designed it's a sentence like every good boy deserves favor to help you remember your scales umbrellas in a downpour prevent immense mess i don't think that's easy to remember but i guess it would be if you were taking the cfp test which is where it supposedly came from some cfp study guide or something and what it stands for is, and this is something that advisors should all take into account, they should all carry umbrellas in a downpour to prevent immense mess. Understanding, the you, understanding the client's situation, both quantitative and qualitative. That's just understanding their situation. Identify goals. Analyze current course and potential course. Develop recommendations. Present plan. Implement plan, monitor progress of plan. So it's U-I-A-D-P-I-M. It's not something any of you are ever going to need to remember. And 99.99999% of financial advisors will probably forget to. Mm, uh, this uh, hems. I'm going to skip right past this. It's uh, health, education, maintenance, and support. Mm, yeah, it's really how to distribute money to beneficiaries. So we're going to skip right past that one. This is my favorite. Now, wait, you know what? I'm going to go to the last one because that one was is my favorite, the one I'm just getting ready to do. So I'm going to go back. And the, the this one, I only have two more. This one is primed. And it's about different types of risk. So I see it having some value. Everything you do with money involves risk. So what is that risk? Well, the risk is primed. It's risk to your purchasing power. That's inflation. It's regulatory risk. What's the government going to do to your investments that could hurt them? Interest rate risk. If interest rates are rising, value of fixed income securities are falling. Sometimes it affects other things too. Market risk. That's the risk you face when people buy and sell stocks on a day-to-day, minute-to-minute basis. Environmental risk. We're seeing that in a lot of industries with coastal operations, uh, uh, homes on the beach, that kind of thing. Default risk, that's just somebody going out of business. So that's primed, P-R-I-M-E-D. But here's my favorite, and, I, and you'll know why it's my favorite. It's the three Fs. 
We talk about the three F's all the time. What are the three F's? I bet you know. Fees, funds, fiduciary. Fees. Probably the most important thing of all. How much does it cost? How much is it going to cost you? You need to know exactly. Funds. Funds give you the ability to diversify like crazy and to be in the kinds of segments of the economy, the asset classes that have shown the best tendency for returns on a risk-adjusted basis. We love funds. We love low fees. We love funds with low fees. And we think if you're going to get advice, it must always come from a fiduciary and not just a fly-by-night Johnny-come-lately, oh, I'm a fiduciary today. No, a fiduciary who is a fiduciary all the time. That is someone who is always required to act in your best interests. And if anybody who sells commissioned products tells you, well, yes, these are the best for you. Yeah, okay, they're good for me too, but no, they are the best thing for you. And I get a big fat commission. They're not a fiduciary. They're blowing smoke in your general direction to make a sale. They, because they know that there has been a lot of emphasis on the word fiduciary. So uh, there you go. Which was your favorite? Let me know. You can call 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255. If you have a mnemonic that's actually of value, share it with us. If you have a question, call us with it. If you want to type it in, you can go to TalkingRealMoney.com and type in your question. Or, or very cool, you can go to Talking Money. Talking Money. <laughs> Don't go to Talking Money. You can go to TalkingRealMoney.com and actually record your question on your fancy schmancy computer mic that you now have because everybody's like podcasting or something or vlogging. So, uh, so send in your questions and we're going to do some of those questions starting with this one. Hey, Don and Tom, this is Brian in Arizona and I have a question or two about investing for my 12-year-old. I'm not sure if my email is just in the queue or even if it went through for that matter or if you guys are just waiting by the phone for me to call. I have one child. She's in the seventh grade. There's currently $75,000 in her Vanguard target enrollment 2026-2027-529 plan. Any money gifted to her has always been invested here, and I contribute $100 a month. With concern for overfunding, I want to stop adding to the 529 plan. I have considered changing it to a later target date enrollment, maybe by a year or two to increase potential gains. I would like to hear your thoughts on that. There's also potential that she'll be eligible for up to 27 months of my GI Bill, which is pretty sweet, but it's not guaranteed. That being said, I'd like to continue investing for her at the same rate. Please tell me the pros and cons for each of us for opening a fund in my name and giving it to her as I see fit, either in installments or all at once, versus opening up a custodial fund. Currently, she's a good kid, but who knows five to 10 years from now. I started out good too. How would each of these impact our taxes and her ability to get financial aid if necessary? If it's in an UGMA, can she withdraw the money a little at a time or would she have to take it out all at once? I don't have a specific goal in mind, 
but helping her with a car, travel, or even a house would be pretty nice. Lastly, do I just put it all in VT? Thanks. Well, you managed to squeeze a lot of question into a very short period of time. Nicely done. Let's see. 529 plan for your daughter. Ton of money in there. Nicely done. Um, she's probably going to be in great shape, particularly if she can get some of your GI Bill. Man. Uh, but don't worry too much about that. Really, don't worry about overfunding it. It's couple of things that are uh, 529 can be used for any post-secondary education so that means that doesn't mean just undergrad that means grad school doctoral programs lots of different things can be done with that money later the other cool thing there's no time limit on 529 so uh and, and and i'm okay with you spreading out your target date too by the way going a little longer on some of the money to potentially enhance the future returns potentially it increases the risk you know your daughter may have a child someday and you may want to help that child and you're going to be if, if your daughter doesn't use all the money in the uh, 529 plan you can put that in a really long-term plan even if you don't have a grandchild yet, for that grandchild's future education. So you keep doing it. you got a great habit going. Uh, it's going to do wonders for her. She'll, you're not going to need to worry, by the way, about student aid as much. You know, if she qualifies for some scholarships, great, but you, you really shouldn't even worry so much about the student aid stuff. That's like letting the, the, the tail wag the dog. Um, tax considerations and aid considerations, those should all be secondary to the concept of just saving for the kids, which you've done a wonderful job, by the way, of doing. Now, as for the UGMA, the Uniform Gift to Minors account, versus holding it in your own name, I think people make a mistake. A lot of people regret the mistake of setting up a UGMA for their child because, as you said, in your early 20s, that frontal lobe is just not fully developed. We don't make the best decisions. If it's in your name, yeah, okay, you might have a little bit of tax. But, I mean, seriously, you mentioned VT. Look at the Vanguard Total World Stock Index and, 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 and look at how much tax you have to pay on that if you just own it. Don't sell it. Don't trade it. There's there's no capital gain and very little dividend, so the tax ramifications are so small as to be practically non-existent. And then it becomes your decision. Your child gets married. You can give them a down payment on a house. Or, you know, she needs a car to get to work and her old car is a beater. And you can say, you know, you're working hard at your job. Here's a down payment for a car. But you can decide it's not her because you see in a UGMA account, the money becomes hers at the age of majority, which is 18 to 21, depending on where you are. So, and VT, sure, VT's great. I, you you got to figure out what you want the money to do. But if it's long-term money that's kind of found money for her, sure, VT would be great. Just expect some volatility and it may go down at times you want to give it away and you might want to wait. But you're on great, great, a great track. Good job. Thanks for 
asking the question at TalkingRealMoney.com. He did it by recording it at TalkingRealMoney.com. You can do the same, or you can call us at 855-935-TALK. But here's another one that was recorded at TalkingRealMoney.com. Hi, Tom and Don. Um, I'm a single mom of two, and I do receive the earned income tax credit. My question is regarding when my kids start to have a job um, and they earn a little bit of income, does that income count um, as family income and then will determine whether I qualify for the the um, earned income tax credit or is that separate? Right now I invest in a Roth and I don't know um, like if I should switch that if they're, you know, if I, I go over the threshold, if I should switch that to traditional so that I still qualify for that credit um, or if that their income is separate and I would do a different, you know, I would file separately a different tax form. I know they'd have to make over a certain amount, um, but I didn't know if you knew that. I could I tried to find the answer online, but couldn't find that answer. So maybe me and maybe someone else out there wants to know this. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Oh, tax law. <laughs> well, you're, you should be in pretty good shape unless your child starts to make a lot of money. Um, the, the, the key is your child has to be a dependent from what I understand. Now, again, this is tax code gets really it can be complicated, but I don't think this is open to interpretation. Your child has to be able to be claimed as an as a dependent, and uh, they can have earned income and still be a dependent. Uh, I believe that for 2021, it is the amount they can earn is $4,300. do not quote me exactly on that. But as long as your child earns less than that, then they're still a dependent on your tax return, and therefore you're eligible for the the earned income tax credit, and I think the other child credit too. Uh, so you should be in good shape. You, I don't see you having a problem again unless your child is just earning an awful lot of money, as long as they're you're dependent. So uh, you're in good shape. Thanks for your question. I appreciate it. She sent it in also at talkingrealmoney.com. Talkingrealmoney.com. You can do the same. And uh, I think that's good. I think we're good for today. Got a couple of questions in, talked about some memory aids that are silly and helpful. And uh, we're going to do it all again tomorrow, except tomorrow is different. On Saturdays, we don't really record a podcast. What we do is host a live radio show on KOMO, Como Radio in Seattle. And then we turn it into a couple of podcasts next week. So this is a really cool opportunity for you to actually talk with us live. It's the only time we can do that during the week. It's Saturday between 3 and 5 p.m. Eastern time. That's noon to 2 Pacific. And you use the same exact number, 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255. You can also listen to us live on Saturdays. Just go to TalkingRealMoney.com. We have a, a radio player there. And if you need a bunch of help, you need somebody to really help you start building a better plan, or you've got this messy portfolio that we call a hodgepodge, we will give you help for free because we know we can't do all of that in the course of a show. It's just not possible. We want these to be you know, at most 40 minutes for the, for the radio shows, and these generally in the 20-minute range, 15 to 20. So go to Vestory.com and set up an appointment with one of our advisors. I can promise you they will provide you with truly actionable help, something you can do something with. 
I promise you that they're not going to charge you anything. There's no obligation to do or say or, you know, attend to sales pitch. And there won't be a sales pitch. No high-pressure sales pitch. You're not going to get that from us. We don't do that. We don't need to. We don't. We do just fine without it. Uh, so go to Vestry.com, set up an appointment with somebody, or call our office at 800-386-3004. And you can call the show at 855-935-TALK. Please spread the word. We really, really appreciate it when you tell others. You also, I didn't realize how much, but I checked recently how the Apple uh, podcast algorithm works. And boy, do subscriptions help propel our show in the rankings. I didn't realize how much. So subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast service. But even if you subscribe to it on your favorite podcast service and Apple's not it, subscribe on Apple Podcasts too, because they're the they're the big ones. It's like I think 65 to 70% of our listens come through Apple Podcasts. So thanks. Take care of yourselves. Have a great weekend. We'll keep doing what we can to hang out, read, and talk about real money. Talking real money. We hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for educational and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately, consistently predict the future. So, past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Vestry, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. That's a wrap.